If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. All right. All right. Glad to be here. Glad to be with all of you. And um, since I am in Eric Collar's church, I got to tell a corny joke <laughs> because he mentioned, he mentioned me being the husband of one wife. I am, I am married to one woman, and, um, and I like it that way. Um, but I, I'm also married to one woman because I'm scared because my, my wife is Hispanic, and they're dangerous. No, uh, she is a she is a an expert in Mexican judo. Anybody know Mexican judo? You know Mexican judo. She's an expert because you don't know if she got a knife. You don't know if she got a gun. Mm-hmm. There it is. There it is. There it is. Yep. All right, we got that out of our system. All right. Well, I I am glad to be here. I'm glad to be in church with you. How many of you believe we are in the right place at the right time? Amen. You know, when you're following Jesus, you just find yourself regularly in the right place at the right time. And I believe that when we gathered like this, when we come to the house of God, that God is here. And wherever God is, I think it's the right place and the right time. Right? And so I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here in this service. Thank you for... uh, for making time to be here. I don't know everybody. I'm looking around. I don't know everybody. I know some of you. Um, so let me just say, if you are a visitor here, please don't judge this church by what you're about to hear. Um, come back and hear Pastor Eric. Um, <clears throat> he's a great preacher. Don't you love your pastor? Yeah. Yeah, man, he's, a good, he's, a, he's a good man. He's a good man. He wasn't always like the best brother, but he's a good man. He's a good man. All right, let's get into this. You ready to get into the Word? All right, if you have a Bible, I'm going to ask you to turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We probably don't even need to turn there. I think we could all probably quote this verse of Scripture that I'm going to give to you tonight. But John chapter 1. John chapter 1. I'm going to, I'm going to read verse 1. John chapter 1. Verse 1. But before I do, I I, want to pray. Shall we pray? I mean, we are in church. It's a good idea to pray. Let's do that now. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this evening. Lord, I thank you for this, this time that you've blessed us with. I thank you, Lord, for these beautiful and wonderful people that are here tonight. And Lord, together as your family, Lord, we... We open our hearts to hear from you and to receive from you. And as, as Heather already prayed, Lord, we just ask for wisdom and revelation to be at work in our spirits and the eyes of our understanding to be enlightened so that we may know you better, so that we might know the exceeding riches of your inheritance in the saints, and that we may know the exceeding greatness of your power. Lord, I thank you that because your presence is here, that burdens are removed, yokes of bondage are destroyed, and your people are being set free by hearing the Word. Your Word also says that your Word cleanses. So, Lord, I thank you that right now we're being cleansed by hearing your Word. Your Word says that your Word brings faith. So, Lord, I thank you that tonight faith is rising in this house because of hearing your Word. We thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing in us and the work that you're going to complete in us. 
And we give you thanks, Lord, for your word. And we believe that because of your word, we will never be the same again. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you just turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor how pretty they are? Maybe say, maybe say something like, boy, your teeth are extra shiny tonight. Just something nice. Find something nice to say. Wink at them, something you know that's not creepy. Just something. John chapter 1 and uh, verse 1. John chapter 1 and verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Greek word used here in this passage of Scripture for the word, word, is the Greek word logos. The Christian writers, John and, and Matthew and Paul and, and the, the early church writers were actually the first ones to use the Greek word logos as word. Previous to that, it was used by Plato and Socrates and people like that, other Greek, Greek uh, uh Scholars, and uh, <clears throat> they use the word logos to mean meaning or reason. And so I want to just substitute that word for just a moment for the sake of our discussion tonight. And the verse reads like this, in the beginning was the meaning, and the meaning was with God, and the meaning was God. And in verse 14 says that the meaning became flesh and dwelt among us. How many of you know that Jesus is the meaning? He's the meaning. And when we, when we get connected to Jesus, we discover meaning for our lives. Why we're here. What we're supposed to do when we're here. Oftentimes there's a lot of people that are living their lives trying to convince Jesus of their own meaning. When I believe we got to go to the Word to find out who we are and our, and our meaning in the eyes of God. I think of one of my favorite characters in the Bible, and I preach about him a lot, is uh, Peter. Anybody know Peter? You're familiar with Peter? Walked on water, Peter? Oh, yeah, but, but what do we really know Peter for? Come on, help me out. Why do we really know Peter? What's the first thing that comes to our mind when we think about Peter? He denied Jesus. He denied Jesus, the denier. How'd you like to have that reputation your whole life? Peter, the denier. Hmm? But Peter did some great things. But I think if we were all real honest, I think we would all admit that we all get Peter. Like, Peter makes sense. Of all the disciples, I get Peter. I mean, he's up one day, down one day. He's, he's making mistakes. He's, he's, he's uh, sticking his foot in his mouth. He's shooting his mouth off. He's saying, he says one thing, and, and, and God says, and Jesus says, Blessed are you, Simon, that God revealed that to you. Your flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. And the next time he opens his mouth, Jesus is saying, Get behind me, Satan. You know, we get that. We connect to Peter he makes sense. I'm not saying that the other disciples don't, but there's, there's some things about him I don't totally understand. I mean, I, the Bible gives an interesting detail about the Apostle John, and it says the Apostle John laid his head on Jesus' chest. That's awesome. I don't totally connect to that. I, I don't know how y'all do things in North Texas. I, I, just, I, I, don't, I don't totally connect to that. I, Peter, I get. 
Well, you are quiet on Wednesday night. <laughs> but one thing I do love about John is that John opened his heart to receive from Jesus. Whereas Peter was trying to get Jesus to open his own heart to receive him. Peter's trying to convince Jesus of how much he needs him. Jesus, you need me. I'd die for you. I'd fight for you. I'm there for you. I'll do anything. I love you. And John, the Bible says, was a disciple that Jesus loved. And I know you got a good Bible teacher pastor here. But in case you don't know, John was called the disciple that Jesus loved. Now, the only disciple that called him that was himself. And he wasn't saying, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved more than everybody else. He just had a revelation that he was loved by God and that Jesus loved him. He had an understanding that Jesus loved him. That's why he could write such beautiful things like, when that love has been perfected in you, it drives out, casts out fear. He had an understanding. He wrote wrote more about the love of God towards humanity than any of the others. When Peter, we know, even though he said he would do all these great things for Jesus, when push came to shove, he did deny him. He was afraid. He was scared. And he ran and he hid. But John, being fully convinced that he was loved by Jesus, when everybody else is running and hiding, John is standing at the foot of the cross, unafraid. He could have been been drug off but he was unafraid. So I admire John for that. But I, but I mostly relate to Peter. Peter's the kind of guy that, that well, he, he had his ups and he had his downs with Jesus. He had moments of greatness and moments of, of weakness and moments of humiliation. He, Peter was in a boat. Well, let me, let me just back up. Peter was with Jesus when they were When they were feeding the 5,000, he was there. He was a part of that. He helped distribute the food. Jesus tells the disciples one day, he says, get in a boat. Let's get in a boat, and we'll go to the other side. So they get in a boat, and they go to the other side. But before they get to the other side, a storm comes. You all familiar with the story? And Jesus is asleep. How many of you ever felt like you're right in the middle of your storm and Jesus is sleeping? Listen, whether we're ready to admit that or not, we do that because we pray prayers that sound like what these disciples said to Jesus that that time. Jesus, don't you even care? Don't you even care what I'm going through? Don't you even know? They wake Jesus up. Don't you even care that we're about to perish? Wake up! What's the matter with you? Can't you feel the boat going crazy? Can't you see our lives are turned upside down? Do something. And the Bible says that Jesus woke up and kind of wiped the sleep out of his eyes. And Peace be still. And we know the storm stopped, the waves stopped, the wind stopped. And now the disciples are actually more freaked out that Jesus did that than they were of the storm, the Bible says. They had greater fear then. Who is this that can calm the storms? Well, they get to the other side. And then... Sometime later, Jesus says, now, now, guys, I want you to get in a boat and go to the other side. 
And so the disciples go to get in the boat. But Now, it's, this is not in the Bible, but you, you have to believe that one of them said something like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> I mean, it's not there, but they'd already experienced that once. But this time, Jesus is not going to go with them. They're going by themselves. So they get in the boat, and they get out going to the other side, and out in the middle, what happens again? Storm comes. Storm comes, Jesus is up on the mountain watching. Storm comes, the waves, the wind, they're freaking out, so Jesus comes down to help them. But in that moment, you know that guy that said, here we go, you know he had to say something like, I told you, it's going to happen again. So they get out in, 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 in the boat, and then and the storm's going on, and then Jesus comes walking on the water. And they're freaked out because they think it's a ghost. And Peter says something that is so bizarre. It's, it's hard for me to wrap my head around it. Jesus says to them, don't be afraid, it's me. Peter says, if it really is you, then invite me to come out there on the water with you. And my question is, what if it's not Jesus? Uh, sure, come on out. <laughs> How is that some kind of justification that that's really Jesus? Did he invite him out? Oh, there's proof. That's enough. I'm going. It just, he was just an unusual guy, Peter. And he just shoot these things out of his mouth. It just it really didn't make any sense. But Peter, he gets, he gets out of the boat and he walks on the water. How awesome. Peter's walking on the water. He's walking on the water. We, we, we only have record of two guys doing that. Jesus and Peter. How many of you would like to be in a category where it was just you and Jesus? I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good group to be in. If you're going to be in a group, that's a pretty good one to be in. I mean, he could honestly say, me and Jesus got our own thing going. Nobody else can really say that, but Peter can say that. He was on the water with Jesus. So he gets out there, and we know that he, that he looks around, and he gets afraid. And You know, we are awfully critical of him from this perspective, I mean, from this side of things. But, but I, again, I think if we would all get real honest, we would all, we'd all, we all connect to Peter. We get it. We'd probably all do the same thing make the same mistakes, do all the same things. But Jesus, the meaning, comes into their lives. And Peter is he's trying to convince Jesus all along of how important he is to him. You know, I'm, Jesus, you need me. Jesus, you need me. Jesus, I'd, I'd fight for you, I'd die for you. So Jesus says, you know, I'm going to be betrayed, and the disciples didn't like that, and Peter said, no, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to allow that. All the others may forsake you, but I'm not going to forsake you. And, Peter, and Jesus says, well, as a matter of fact, Peter, a um, little detail here you might need to be aware of. You are going to deny me. No, I wouldn't do that. Well, you're going you're gonna to deny me three times, as a matter of fact. Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me. Peter didn't want to hear that. Well, then they're at the garden, you know, praying, and Jesus comes out. And, and there's a group that come to arrest Jesus. And Peter, <clears throat> being Peter, 
they come out to arrest Jesus, and a guy reaches out to grab him, and Peter whips out a knife and cuts the guy's ear off. My question is, Peter, you've been with Jesus for three and a half years. Why you still got a knife? It's like, in case the miracles run dry, I got my trusty knife. I mean, Jesus has walked on water and raised the dead. You think that guy reaching over and grabbing actually has any power to do anything to Jesus? But I got my knife. And, and, and I, I see it like this. I don't know how you see it, but when I look at it, I just, I, I, I see Jesus' face like this. He reaches down and grabs the ear and sticks it back on the guy's head and heals him. Now, when I think about the guy that had his ear cut off and Jesus healed him, I come to arrest Jesus, my ear gets cut off, and he picks it up and sticks it back on my head, and I'm healed. I think I might have said something like, you know what, we can do this another day. We don't have to do this right now, but they still arrested him. I mean, there's another recording that says that they said, we're looking for Jesus, and he says, I'm he, and they all fell down. I think at that point, you just give up. Just walk away. You're going to get hurt. But they still arrest him, which we know the Bible says that Jesus willingly gave himself. So Peter's been through all these experiences. He had an experience with him when he, when he cast out a legion of demons. You all know that story? They come onto this, this island, and there's, there's a man demon-possessed, and they've got him chained. He breaks the chains. And he has a legion of demons in him, and Jesus casts the demons out, and they go into the pigs, and the pigs run off the cliff. He saw all these powerful things. But then it came time for Jesus to be crucified. And Peter, even though one minute he's cutting a guy's ear off, which, which honestly, it looks, that looks brave. That looks courageous. It looks manly. I'm going to fight and defend. And the next minute, a little girl comes along and says, I know you, you're one of Jesus' disciples. No, I'm not. What, ha- what happened to Peter? What happened to the Peter that's cutting ears off? Now some lady comes and says, you're, no, I'm not, I'm not. No, no, I know you, you're, you've been with, I saw you. No, no, I didn't. And he began to cuss at her. And... But that's Peter. One minute he's, and the next minute he's, eh. So Jesus then is, he's crucified. The Bible says in Corinthians that Christ died, Christ was buried, and Christ rose from the dead. All this time, Peter's trying to tell Jesus, you need me. You need me. And when he needed him the most, he wasn't there. And I believe that if you spend your Christian life trying to always do and convince God that when push comes to shove, you'll find in your own effort yourself falling short. And I just can't even imagine the guilt. But Jesus comes back from the dead and he meets up with Mary and he says to Mary, he says, go tell the disciples that I'm alive. Go tell the disciples and Peter, the only one he mentioned by name. Go tell the disciples and Peter 
So she goes to the house to tell him. And uh, Peter and John, the Bible records, take off out of the house and they go run into the tomb. Now, again, just based on my picture of Peter, manly, strong, powerful, nervy guy, and John laying his head on the chest of Jesus, I would just think that Peter would outrun him. But the Bible puts a specific detail in to say that they took off running and John outran Peter. It's amazing how slow you run when you're carrying baggage. He just can't keep up. But he gets there and he runs. The Bible says that he ran in. John stopped at the door, the entry to the tomb, but Peter ran in and he found the empty grave clothes. And it, it like Peter just snapped. He's there seeing, he saw Jesus crucified. He knows what he went through. He knows the guilt. He's under this pressure. He, he sees the empty grave clothes. He doesn't know what has happened. He's here. Now he's gone. Now he's here again. Now he's gone again. It, it, it's like he can't make up his mind about who Jesus is or what Jesus is. I'm with him. We walk on water, and I sink, and he saves me. He saves me, and then, and then he dies. How does he die if he can walk on water? How does he still die on a cross? How does that happen when he has so much power? I was there. I saw the demons go into the pigs and go off the cliff, and it's just like he just all wells up on the inside of him, and he just finally says, I can't take it anymore. How many of you ever been at that point? You've just been like, you just been right there. You've just been on the edge. I find oftentimes now, Eric may, 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 may uh, bear witness with this, but I, I just find that when I find myself right there, he may not because you're all perfect, but I find myself right on the edge, and without fail, someone will come up and ask me the stupidest question. <laughs> I, I feel like I just got pressure and weight, and, and then someone comes up and says, uh, is my dog going to go to heaven? No, as a matter of fact, he's going straight to hell. I mean, you just reach that point where it's just like, I can't. Would you come pray for my rose bushes? No, I won't come pray for your rose. Pray for him yourself. And Peter's there. He just reaches that point, and he just snaps, and he says, I'm going fishing. Now, we know that he snapped because the next time the Bible records him, it says that he's sitting in a boat naked fishing. <laughs> so Peter's out in the boat. He's fishing. And Jesus comes walking on the shore. He builds a fire. Starts cooking some fish. Here's a little sermon title for you. It's a little cheesy sermon title, but it's a good one. Jesus is cooking what you're fishing for. <laughs> so, <laughs> they just don't, they just come out like that sometimes. But I just see Jesus on the, on the shore. Peter's out in the water. He's got his fish. He's trying to get that smell out there. There was an encounter that Peter had with Jesus early on. Jesus asked Peter a question. He says, did you catch any fish? 
Peter says, no, we didn't catch any fish. I fished all night long and toiled all night long and didn't catch any fish. And Jesus says, well, well try again. and Do it this way. And Okay, we'll do it. And the nets begin to break and the boats begin to sink because there's so much fish. And now we're in this scenario again, and Peter's out in the water in the boat. Jesus is on the shore, and he calls out, hey, did you catch any fish? Peter knew in that moment that it was Jesus. He'd heard that question asked that way before. Now, we're not sure that Peter's totally in his right mind yet because the Bible says he put his clothes on and then jumped in the water. But he put his clothes on, jumped in the water, swam to Jesus, gets out, comes to Jesus. And Jesus says to him, he says, Peter, do you love me? Now, this is the Brandon Holler translation, but it, it kind of came out like this. Man, yeah, Jesus, there's just a lot of drama around you. Yeah, but Peter, do you love me? It's not you, Jesus. It's, it's me. Yeah, but Peter, do you love me? And he asked him three times. I don't think it's accidental that he asked him three times. I think every time he asked him, he was reconciling and repairing back for every time that he denied him. He gave him an opportunity to right the wrong for himself. He said, do you love me? And each time Peter said, you know I love you, and Jesus said this to him, then feed my sheep. For the first time, we see Jesus now placing meaning on Peter, giving him purpose. Peter's standing there, accepting this purpose and meaning and calling on his life. And we know that Jesus restored him, repaired him, got the disciples back, and then he takes them to Jerusalem, and he says, now I want you to stay here, don't leave, because the Holy Spirit is going to come. Well, we know that they were gathered in an upper room on the day of Pentecost, the Feast of First Fruits. they were gathered there. Actually, you know... If you look at the details of the Bible, one thing I just, this is not really totally relevant to what we're saying or, or necessary for what we're saying, but let me just give you a, a thought. Jesus didn't tell them to go to the upper room and wait. Jesus told them to not leave Jerusalem. They were in the upper room, gathered together in one place, not waiting for the Holy Spirit, like sitting around going, is it time? Is it him? Is he here? Do you hear that? No? What's that? What's that? Uh, my daughter Morgan used to go, what's that? Scare this. Her first words. You know, we're, we're, we'd just be sitting in the house eating something at the table, and Morgan would go, what's that? Just freak us out. So <clears throat> that's not what they were doing. They were gathered together for the Feast of first fruits. They were all in one place and in one accord. The reason they were all of one heart and one purpose is because they were celebrating the Feast of First Fruits together. They were there celebrating Pentecost together. They were there having a party. Wow, that's good news. You can get together and enjoy and have fun together and be in fellowship with one another and celebrating together, and God can still show up in that place. It doesn't have to be quiet and 
Close your eyes. I remember as a kid, you were in, in the little Pentecostal church when I was a kid, it's it like I just I thought I was going straight to hell if I opened my eyes when we were praying. I thought my eyes would just burn right out of my head. I, no, I don't want to open my eyes. And just, I, I, don't want, I don't want God to get scared off. If I open my eyes, he's going to leave. I'm being a little silly, but you know, we get into those modes. And we think it has to be a certain way all the time in order for God to do something. I think God's so much bigger than that. And they were together in Feast of First Fruits, celebrating and having a good time. And the Holy Spirit said, y'all having a good time? Let's really get the party started. And he shows up and tongues of fire on their head and the wind, the sound of a rushing mighty wind. And they all begin to speak in other tongues. And the people standing around said, I think they're drunk. Can I just ask you guys a question? I've had the opportunity, I don't know if it's been a great opportunity, but I've had the opportunity in my life to be around a lot of drunk people. I can't even tell you all the stories why. I've just had the experience of being around. Well, my brother and I, we played in a band, and there was just a lot of that around, the places that we were playing. I can't think of one time when a person was drunk and there was wind swirling around them and fire on their head and they're speaking in a language that they didn't know. There are lots of signs to tell that somebody's drunk, but it wasn't any of those. I think, what kind of reasoning is that? It's almost like Peter's reasoning on the boat. If you're Jesus, call me out there so I can walk on the water. I mean, they're seeing something amazing. They're speaking in languages they don't know. Fire's visibly present. Wind is blowing, and they're going, it's got to be drunk. Gotta, gotta, I can't think of anything else. Got to be drunk. So Peter, the Bible says then in Acts chapter 2, Everybody's, you know, that's a, that's had to be an odd event. They'd never seen anything like that before. We, it doesn't strike us as odd because we've read it thousands of times and we've familiarized ourselves with that event. But up to that point, that had never happened before. Never happened before. And now, it's happening. And they're all looking around at each other. And I just think that Peter... Again, it doesn't say it, but I just wonder if the words of Jesus didn't start coming back to Peter at that moment. Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, feed my sheep. His meaning began to rise up on the inside of him. The purpose that he had been given by God started to rise up, and the Bible says that he stood up, and he began to speak and preached one of the greatest sermons in the Bible. It was so great, 3,000 people got saved. I believe that God's got thousands of people for you to touch. But if you don't stop long enough to get into this, the meaning, and find out who he's called you to be, you'll never have the impact that you need to have. God has people that need you. But if you're all, all the time trying to convince God of how important you are to him, rather than actually doing something for him, 
then you'll miss all the opportunities that he has planned for you. I'm not saying it to try to guilt you or to condemn you, but I'm just saying it to wake you up. There's a meaning that God has, and it's found in his word. And if you'll just open the word and begin to read, you'll find things like Ephesians chapter 1 that says you are loved, you're accepted, you're chosen, and you're called by God. When you begin to believe that God in heaven, the creator of heaven and earth, has a purpose for you, it begins to change your perspective about the world around you and realize that everybody that you pass, every single person, every stranger that you pass, they need you to pass them. They need you to be in that moment with them. They need you. There, there, there's a chance that person is on their way to hell, and they need you because you're called. You have a great purpose. God has a great plan and a great meaning for your life. And if it can happen for someone like Peter, that tells me it can happen for someone just like me. And it can happen for someone just like you. Doesn't matter how many mistakes you make. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how many times you try and fail. Doesn't matter how many times you stick your foot in your mouth. God's always able to restore it back, to fix it again, and to help you again. Keep calling you back. Keep calling you back to the meaning and the purpose of your life. Amen. Amen. Would you just bow your heads? I'd like to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word, the word that we read tonight, the word that gives us meaning, the word that gives us purpose, the word that calls us up to a higher place of understanding, revelation. And Lord, I pray tonight for each person that's here. Lord, I know that you have, a, you have a, a plan and a meaning for every single person here. And Lord, if there are those in here tonight that have not discovered that, I pray, Father, that by your word and by your Holy Spirit, that you would reveal it to them, that they would find that meaning and they would understand who they are and who they are in you and be all that you want them to be. Lord, whether it's to be preachers or teachers, Lawyers, doctors, plumbers, housewives. Lord, whatever, whatever purpose you have, I pray, Father, that you'd reveal it to them. Lord, like, like with Peter, that the purpose began to rise up on the inside and he did what he was called to do. Lord, I pray that a passion and a fire would begin to rise up on the inside of your people. Lord, that they would, they would know this is what I'm called for. This is why I was created. This is why I'm here. For this, as Jesus confidently said, for this cause I came. May we all have that same confidence to say, for this cause, I'm alive. And I pray, Father, that you'd speak to your people and reveal to them who they are and who you plan for them to be so that they can do all that you've called them to do. And I pray blessing on them, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We would like to invite you to one of our service times in either McKinney or Dallas. Sunday mornings in McKinney at 9.30 and 11, and Wednesday evenings at 7, and in Dallas, 10.30 Sunday mornings, and our 1 o'clock One Cause Dallas Espanol service. You can find out more information about our church at onecausechurch.com. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, there is also a link on the front page of our website.